Welcome to The Power of Care, a podcast that shares insights, trends, and developments in the senior care ecosystem with a focus on technology and innovation. My name is Mark McGrand, Director of Business Development at Viar, a company that specializes in advanced, contactless, and private wellness technology. Each episode, I will be discussing the rapidly changing elderly care market with experts from the sector, including community operators, technology providers, caregivers, and senior living real estate developers. I hope this podcast brings you valuable content and information on the sector. And now for our guest. I'd like to welcome here today, President and CTO of People Power Company, David Moss. David, thank you for jumping on this call and and joining me here today. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Mark. Great to see you. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously our companies have been doing quite a bit together. Um, And the more that I kind of see from your side and everything that you guys are working on, the more I wanted to just get you on here and just go go at your brain and just listen to um, kind of your views on a couple of different things. Because I think the way that you guys are bringing technology to the industry um, and the way that you guys approach your technology is is different and something actually I think we should all strive to to accomplish um, from the studies that you guys work on and everything else. Um, I'm going to start out a little bit with your with your platform. I know I, I try to stay away from just talking about our products and things like that, but I think yours is so interesting. Um, in the first place, let's get a little bit of your story coming into this. So talk a little bit about people power and kind of, you know, how did you get into the creating technology and products for seniors and caregivers? Because that was not the, that was not the, the origin of the company, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Well, people power uh, today has a virtual health platform and we can uh, build new services. We can connect lots of uh, data and people uh, together to provide care for, for seniors. And you're right, it's not where we started. We started actually in about 2009, uh, more with an energy management slant to the company. Back then, the Department of Energy was um, subsidizing many companies to build energy efficiency solutions. And we had a vision of, well, you know, let's start there and um, enable homes to manage their own energy, uh, combining some pretty sophisticated algorithms to do so. Um, And we ended up uh, with a lot of business with, uh, with various utilities. But um, as we really got into it, we, we realized uh, people don't really care about saving energy. Uh, you know, it's a, so that's a tough thing to get past uh, uh, when you're in, in that kind of a space. So we, we looked at, um, at the market and the problems uh, with just getting uh, connected devices into homes and getting people connected and identified, um, it was about 2013 or so, the iPhone 5 was about to be released. And uh, I had this idea, what if we could take these spare phones and turn them into security cameras? This, this was something that would resonate a lot more with people than you know, saving a couple bucks on your energy bill. So we went down uh, the lines of all the Apple fans in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, in Palo Alto, California, and in Toronto, Canada. And we asked people, uh, what are you gonna do with your old phone now that you're upgrading to this new iPhone 5. And uh, about 25% of people said they would give it to a family or friend. Uh, 25% said uh, you know, they were gonna sell their old phone. And more than half of the people said, I have no idea what I'm gonna do with my old phone. I'm just gonna get the, the latest and greatest phone. So what we were seeing here is an opportunity to now bring um, internet connected things into homes by repurposing your old phone. Your old phone is just a computer. It's 
but you're chucking it into a sock drawer, right? So if we dig that phone out and we connect it to Wi-Fi and we load on an app, this app was called Presence by People Power, uh, we could turn that phone into a security camera that could uh, enable you to watch live uh, from anywhere in the world what's happening back at home. Um, you can get motion detection video alerts and you can also talk back to people and pets who are nearby the camera. So uh, that was an app that, that took off very quickly. So as soon as that iPhone 5 came out, and it was roughly March or April of 2013 when we released this app, uh, it, was, it really created a new market. It was a first of its kind. Um, and with this app, um, we had tons of users. Of course, most of them were using it for security, for monitoring pets, um, kids, and your, your standard security solution type stuff. But uh, uh, my wife, who's a uh, user experience researcher, uh, she is much smarter, much better looking than I am. And she actually studied our user base. Um, so she went in and, and uh, interviewed hundreds of people. How are you using uh, this app presence by, by people power? And it turns out that of course, you know, over 90% were using it for standard security stuff as, as we expected. There was 6.3% of our user base that was using it for senior care. And so that uh, just by the numbers alone, 6.3% is not a large amount of people. Um, but when you look at what they wrote about the app, it was some of the most passionate feedback we'd ever received. Uh, we had one woman say that um, she was able to keep her job because she was able to set her old phone up as a camera back at home and keep an eye on her 89-year-old mother. Um, we had another user, one of my favorite users out of Rochester, New York, um, uh, claimed that his, actually his professional caregiver was stealing from him and nobody believed him. Uh, so he borrowed a phone from his, uh, his niece and set it up as a camera and, and actually caught this kind of uh, senior abuse situation that, that uh, kind of vindicated him. But um, so there were these heartwarming stories to heartbreaking stories that we were receiving. And these were very passionate people. So that's what kind of got us oriented in this direction. We started to research, well, what are the characteristics of a, of a system like a, a home or a community kind of system that would take care of people? And, um, and how do we get into this further? And uh, so at, at some point in there, it was, it was roughly 2018, we really took a pivot um, hard into the senior care uh, industry. And uh, you know, now we're seeing lots of success in this, in this area. So I'm bringing that up because you talk about the passion of it and the care of the, the character, which is often, I think, a little bit overlooked. I mean, most of my conversations, I'll admit, I, I start out the conversations from the perspective of, you know, they're a resident, if I'm looking in senior living communities, I take it from the perspective of the staff. But often I think that's missed is probably that, that caregiver, caregiver side of it, that the big battle I used to have, and I think I've told you a lot of my background was in the PERS industry, personal emergency response systems or the buttons people are used to seeing. And we had kind of an ongoing conversation. I was asked a hundred times by new dealers coming in or even guys that have been in the industry that were still just trying to kind of figure out how do they become more like the very successful giants out there. Um, who's, who is the customer? And I liked asking the question because depending on who you talk to, you got a different answer. If I were to ask you the same thing. So it, right now, if I said, okay, there's a product right now, it's for a senior. Who is the one actually buying this product? Who is the customer? Who's the user yeah. when you create something? Yeah, well, the, so the, it's usually the adult children. That's the customer. They've, they've got the money 
Uh, they're the ones kind of pushing the solution, but the senior has to buy into it. So you've got to make something that feels more like a gift than a privacy invasion. And it's a good way to look uh, at it. And so, uh, yeah, I think that what we're seeing is, is it's these adult children who are concerned about their aging parents um, who insist on having technology that enables them to continue to manage their own lives while understanding that everything is okay. And I think at the end of the day, that that phrase there, just know that everything is okay. It's that peace of mind that we're delivering uh, to these people. But, uh, but again, that, that senior has to accept uh, these solutions into their lives and not feel like it's a privacy invasion. And you know, when you bring it up as a gift, I think that's something that we have to look at too. So when you're putting in features, there's so many times we, again, we develop for a, a for the person that's caring for them, for the caregiver, or we develop for one side or the other. But the, the benefit, there has to be a benefit to the senior and not just a, well, now you're taken care of and a pat on their back in a almost a little bit condescending way. You know, if, oh, now we're looking after you. Now you're safe because we put your helmet on, you know, but a, no, what's the actual benefit? How does it bring them into it a little bit more? I think you guys did a fantastic job, you know, with, um, and like our other platform partners where we talk about the connection pieces. Look, when you hand it to mom, it shouldn't be just a conversation or to dad and saying, here, dad, um, now this is going to keep you safe, but it should be, you know, a big part of the conversation should be here, dad, take this. Now you're going to be able to call me a lot easier because you know, now you don't have to go through different things. And I know you, my, my parents struggle with uh, FaceTime and especially during this pandemic that we just went through. One of the big things, my, uh, I have a big family in New York, a lot of cousins up there. The, we had a cousin's call on Fridays, which was fantastic. We'd all jump on um, somebody's Zoom link uh, they got from work and uh, <laughs> use that shared link and bring us all in for over an hour. And we talked for a long time and then we'd invite, you know, our parents in. So, you know, my parents, the aunts, other aunts and uncles, we had a big family, but, but occasionally they would come in almost like guest appearances, but it was always a trick of, you know, we, a little bit of a joke of how, who are they going to be able to figure out zoom right away? Are we going to have to show them, Oh, this week we have to use duo. You know, if you switched platforms, you really wrecked the whole thing, but, I think that's got to be a part of our solution where we're coming to them. There's got to be a benefit for them. Why, why do they want it? What is the gift portion of this? Because yeah. keeping them safe is really a gift, I think, for the, for the caregiver. I, I agree. I think uh, uh, so, you know, our name, our company's name is People Power. We started this with um, a focus on people, knowing that we've got devices and, and data that we're actually connecting, but we're trying to enhance people's lives. But as we, mm -hmm. as we really got into it, Mark, we discovered it's not really about designing for any one person. It's, it's about designing for a family. So we stumbled upon this concept of a, a family-centric design. You actually have multiple generations of a family. Each one has their own perspective on, uh, on the solution. And even as, uh, for example, as parts of, part of our system enables uh, families to share memories and a, a senior will have a different memory um, or a recollection of a, a story than the younger generations who may have also participated in that memory. But these memories are one way to, uh, to link multiple generations of a family. A single photograph or a family video um, uh, you know, elicits such a reaction out of, uh, out of all the multiple generations that are, that are viewing this content and everyone has their own, their own story. Um, so we've explored that uh, that type of mechanism, digital picture frames, um, 
uh, ways to privately share memories between family members as one mechanism um, to bring families together. And you're doing a, a great job having a cousin's call there. That sounds uh, <laughs> really good. My, my family, uh, you know, we have, I have lots of cousins, aunts and uncles all over the place. And, and um, we don't always keep in touch with each other, but my grandmother lives alone and we all feel guilty about who's reaching out to grandma today. So um, that's another aspect of what we do is we, uh, we're enabling um, the family who's kind of spread all over the place to uh, get reminded. It picks out a new person each day to, to be responsible for reaching out to grandma and making sure that she's okay. Um, and, uh, and then there's other mechanisms as well. I think, uh, you know, in addition to, to some of the voice interfaces we see like um, Amazon Echo and Google Home have quite a footprint in, in homes today. Uh, there's also a, uh, an opportunity to make or allow the seniors, especially younger seniors, to feel like they're in control of this mm -hmm. system. Um, we do that by having a, uh, an ANSI standards compliance security service as part of our offering. Uh, so a, and we have senior friendly ways to arm and disarm a home um, without having to remember passwords and um, learn and, uh, how to use a keypad. Uh, my grandmother can arm and, and disarm her home uh, when she comes and goes. And, uh, uh, you know, it's one way to help people feel like they're in control and they are in control. They can, if they have access to a full phone, a senior can open it up and, and check on their own homes. They can uh, uh, be in control of the security system. And then for the younger generations of the family, uh, there's these other benefits of knowing that everything is okay. I also uh, have encouraged my team to design this system in a way that not only works in the home of a senior, but also works in the home of a, an adult child. You can have um, a, a similar system running in both homes and each, uh, each of these parties has their own uh, perspective on the value that it, it can provide. But that's another way to ease, ease into this conversation of, uh, you know, grandma, we need a, a way to make sure that you're okay. Wait, so that's an interesting concept and one that I, I haven't seen approached before, um, which you're right, might add a little bit, uh, it could be huge, actually, the, the ability to kind of put one of each of us, you know, we're, we're both getting this, um, you know, right. it, it, it's just like, I mean, any child-parent relationship, it's a lot easier, look at me, I've got a, a three-year-old, it's a lot easier to say, you know, you need to eat your vegetables if I sit there and say, look, you know, daddy's eating them too mommy's eating them too but, you know we do that but the same thing with friends right if we're both going to go and try something new it's a lot easier when you got a friend that says hey look i'll do it with you and i think that approach no matter what age group you're in applies to everybody and i think especially when it comes to bringing new technology and something that might feel out of the gate you know has a stigma has a bit of embarrassment along with it might have a stigma of this is too complicated or scary because we're talking about technology I'm already getting to a point because technology is going so fast that I work in IT and still there are certain things that I'm afraid to try to do at my house because I'm afraid I'm going to break them or, you know, ruin my router and all of a sudden my internet's going to work. Um, but there, if you have someone going along with you, if you can create, if we create more applications that maybe are going down this road of, there's a give and take. Look, I'm also putting tooting my own horn here, which is unfair, not the point of this podcast. Uh, so I apologize to any listener, but being fair, I'm putting a VR system into my home because I'm going to use it here and I'm going to use more of the security features, but it gives me a way to go to mom and dad and say, hey, look, I'm putting some, there's going to be a few in my house, there's going to be a few in yours. Um, you know, how we use it might be a little bit different. At the same time, they might be the same. 
you know, if you've got those adult children in some cases, you know, they might be 65 and you're writing it off and you're saying, look, I'm, I'm 65. I run every day. I'm in better shape than Mark without a doubt. But at the end of the day, we're all in a group of, if something happens to me, I've got this here. And that, that kind of bridges the gap a little bit between the two and makes it so that it's not this, well, you need it mentality. Cause I think that, that also affects people and turns people off. So there should be more of a connection between the two where we're saying we're both doing this together. And I think that's going to kind of connect the dots and, and maybe uh, alleviate some of that tension that comes along with the, uh, the embarrassment or the, you need to have this, you know, we're both going to ride our bikes, but you have to wear the helmet. Um, right. You know, that that's a little bit unfair. And I think that puts pressure on pressure on senior community, but as well as a lot of others. Yeah, it's all about destigmatizing things here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, you brought up kids, I think that the same services we're seeing that work well with seniors are also working well with kids. I have a, a one year old and, uh, and a four year old. Um, and the wandering detection services, the late night activity services, the some of these things that we have running today, that were originally designed uh, for caregivers to, you know, care for their loved ones, apply to me. And, uh, and I see that with other families as well. So um, I think it is important to, to create technologies that are um, useful for families in general, and um, can be used in the senior's home can also be used in the adult uh, caregivers home, adult family, the, yeah, the, the children, you know? Yeah, you, you have to be able to work it both ways. And we've found as we've gone into this, that it's like you said, coming back to, you know, people power. If we start approaching these things where we, we started out with, you know, singular focus, maybe seniors and falls, maybe approach it with security, maybe approach it with children in mind. You start to realize if you create products for people and keeping people safe, it starts to bleed in a lot more markets and opens up doors, uh, a, a lot more doors to us all. Um, you know, we found recently that, you know, the a market that's been underserved and could use some help is those with developmental dis, uh, disabilities. You know, the DD community, they've been challenged for a long time to work with kind of, I would say, MacGyver solutions or bubblegum and duct tape solutions because they're taking things from other markets that weren't really created for them. You know, they're taking security products and they're kind of manipulating them to work um, instead of just moving forward and it was something that was created for them that they could use. But as I had more discussions with them, there's a lot of things that apply to every one of these communities. People talked about, look, in the, uh, in the DD industry, what they're looking at is how can we help someone to grow and develop and live a more independent life well, that meant the same thing as it did in the senior community. We don't want wearables. We want privacy. Um, you know, that was something that meant a lot to them. Their activity monitoring. Wow. Well, that applied to uh, seniors already. That applied to a lot of more of us, you know, uh, younger adults as we we're trying to understand how, you know, our health benefits here. Um, wow. They want security. Who'd have thunk it? You know, it just, it's, it's right. right there in front of you. Yeah, the thing about smart homes is I, I think we've seen um, evolutions in the smart home space over time. It kind of started with early adopters and home automation, just doing cool things. Um, it's expanded uh, with security. We see the, the security industry has really kind of exploded with lots of players there recently. Uh, and then I mentioned earlier that people power kind of has its roots also in energy management. Mm-hmm. Those all become parts of the overall solution. I actually think that to create a home that takes care of people 
and takes care of seniors, you have to do the full spectrum of things that can be done in, in smart homes in general, energy management, security, safety, uh, and, uh, and, and home automation. Those are all elements of it. And then you have to go above and beyond that with senior specific applications like, like medication adherence, for example, or uh, uh, you know, tracking trends in mobility and sleep scores and, and things like that. But um, it's all part of the, uh, you know, a spectrum of uh, services that really apply to everyone's home. You want to make sure your family's okay. You want to make sure the things in your home are safe and, and, uh, uh, and you want to save money, save energy and, and save um, on healthcare costs as well. So uh, there, there's a, a big opportunity here for, uh, you know, companies to bring in solutions like these in, into homes that, that really cover all of these areas. And I think that's one of the most challenging things that I probably that mentioned on other podcasts before, but it's creating the total package solution is one of the most challenging things to do because there's so many moving parts. I, I always love that. We've had previous conversations about you guys, when you're looking at a solution and how to approach me, you use a lot of was it, uh, Laszlo's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And now you, you look at it from a base level. And we, if we you know if we start here with simple, um, the top of the pyramid there, it now we're kind of we're putting the building blocks together and we're saying okay, what do we need at the base, and then taking it to that next level, next level, next level, and that's how we really start to put something together. I, I think it's funny that you mentioned earlier the the energy, and that's how you started, and you found out nobody cares about their energy usage. And uh, I will be the first to admit it's one of those things that we look at and we go. Oh yeah, but we just take for granted. You know, we get the electricity bill, and there's so many times for myself, and I'm sure there's others out there that you get your electricity bill, and you think like, well, that's just the bill. You know, <laughs> it could yeah. it could say anything, and I would be like, oh, that's what electricity we used this month. I have no idea a lot about it, but there probably are ways to better that. But if we can start somewhere where we catch a little bit of attention, take it kind of to the next level, and then show that this also comes along with it, now we have really a total package of what we're supplying it from, from the ground up. Um, but I got I got to hand you guys, give you guys a bit of credit because putting that together is not easy. I mean, how do you pick from the thousands of different sensors, but also package them in such a way that's, you know, it, it, it's something you can, you get chewable. It's something you can actually get your, get a grip on. It's not too much to take in. Yeah. There, there are a lot of devices out there and, uh, uh, and, you know, we, we take an approach where we like to curate the products into, into our ecosystem, picking kind of the best of breed. Um, but, you know, even with uh, some of those energy devices and services, some of the lessons we learned were not lost. It's, it's not that it's not necessarily that uh, uh, people don't care about energy savings and that's it. Everybody cares about something. So we worked with a lot of psychologists to try and figure this out. And I think the lessons we learned in the energy space apply to healthcare. Uh, you may not care about how many steps you're taking, how much mobility you're, you're getting each day, how much the you know, quality of sleep, for example. They, some of these things are important, but um, may have been maybe overlooked um, uh, regularly. So how do we translate that into something that um, you do care about, uh, you know, gamify it in a way? And, um, and that's what we were doing in the energy space and being successful there. And that's sort of what we're doing here in the, in the uh, senior care space as well, trying to find... Uh, what's called motivational bridges that will translate something you don't necessarily care about into something you do so that you change your behaviors. And then you brought up uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is another psychology, uh, you know, based in psychology kind of principle here. Uh, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, of course, um, going back to your psych 101 days, uh, describes <laughs> By the, the way, needs. Matt, 
Maslow's. I now realize I, I said that wrong earlier, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It describes um, the layers in which uh, you would take care of somebody's needs, right? So the bottom layer is physio- physiological, then it's safety. So those are two layers that can be addressed by internet connected devices. I can know that uh, dad got out of bed this morning, that grandma took her medicine. Um, then there's the next layer up, love and then self-esteem. These will never be solved by internet connected sensors. So what we have to do is go beyond the gadgets and connect people in new ways and bring families together to deliver love and to make, uh, you know, deliver that self-esteem, make people feel good. The ultimate roadmap for every company uh, in this industry is really to, to enable seniors and their caregivers to get up to the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where all of their other needs are taken care of. And that's kind of the approach we've taken with, uh, with the design of our products here at PeoplePower. So when it comes to, you mentioned earlier, gamifying. Now I'm assuming that kind of makes it a bit of a, if I'm using, uh, adding a score to it, right? So if I've got my Fitbit and I know that they set this, the bar when you buy it is with 10,000 steps. And it, I'll admit it, it made me want to get steps or go up those staircases, you know, 10 times in a day because it, you know, it was probably just a little bit of a pat on my own back, but seeing a little thing that shows up and does a fake firework on my wrist gave, got me excited, made me smile, even if it was for half a second and no one cares. But if I could look down and I can see my, my score was going up, it did make it feel good. If you were to look at, well, I don't know that we've actually done this. So I'm on a you know, public podcast asking you right now, look, if you're going to a senior community, I think one of the biggest things for us there is usually trying to get the staff committed to it and getting, getting staff involvement. If you're going in and you're saying, okay, how can I gamify this a little bit for the staff? You know, what do you think are some points that we can, we can start scoring for them that they're going to succeed with? You know, yeah, we don't, well, obviously we don't want to put them down. But what are those points? Kind of a brainstorm thing here. Well, I think, you know, with, with any kind of gamification technique, you start to look at, um, well, it, it all sort of starts with badges, right? And you, mm-hmm. you end up with kind of a winning streak of, of uh, doing things over time or repeating behaviors that we want you to continue repeating. Um, I think there's a number of, of uh, uh, things that can be done in a, even in a, a senior community with the staff to make them feel appreciated and feel better. Some, some of that may be interactions with um, uh, you know, with the tenants of the community. Um, there may be uh, ways that we can, we can grab some feedback and just a simple thank you, or you, know, you, you see the like button, the thumbs up, that's a great way to motivate people. Um, but uh, you know, we, we would look at uh, what are the actions that we want these professional caregivers to be doing day to day, and then how do we apply badges and a structure to that to, to really motivate them and, and keep that going? And I think it can be rewarding. You know, the, these, the rewards can be, um, social in nature or just sort of a badge, but it could also be, um, you know, something with more substance. Uh, uh, for example, I remember back in, in our energy days, we were looking at things like, uh, like even pizza parties, right. For a, for a group of employees, it was something that everyone can collaborate on and contribute to, um, and not necessarily compete with each other. When you start to get people competing with each other, then you can end up with, uh, with some negative situations. And, and I notice in my own family, my cousins or my, my, especially my brother and I will, will kind of compete 
uh, as to, hey, you know, I, I reached out to grandma today and I got, I got the grandma points, right? Well, it turns out that not many families um, or, or not all families will appreciate that. You can end up with uh, sibling rivalry situations and, and same, same with coworkers, you can end up with uh, competitive situations that aren't always healthy. So finding uh, ways to gamify uh, uh, solutions such that people cooperate together rather than compete with each other is, uh, is one dimension to consider in this whole design. I think that's important because, you know, there is a lot of pressure on these caregivers um, that especially work in the staff level and that they, they have a hard job. I mean, that's drastically understating it. They have a really tough job and no one should lose um, because as they're going into it, you know, it might be that, yeah, you got the thumbs up and you wanted to be interactions with this person, but someone else actually has to do something every morning that enables your interaction. So now all of a sudden, no one wants to do the enablement. Everybody wants to, you know, score. Nobody wants to get the assist. Everybody wants to score the points, right? Right. Now, you know, all of a sudden. So I, I could see you have to balance that out a little bit, but I could see that being a way to tie them in a little bit more, show a little bit more to it and how to get back to them. Because I think the caregiver side is something that, you know, we want to improve their mental health. Mental health is a huge thing today. We're all starting to take notice of it finally. Um, and we're paying attention to how important it actually is and how much stress actually comes along with being a caregiver, whether in a residential setting or inside of a community. And I think, um, well, you guys, you did the study with um, UC Berkeley. UC Berkeley, yeah. Where we, you guys uh, started looking, looking at uh, the caregiver side, is that right? That's right. So uh, uh, People Power got a, a grant from the National Institute on Aging uh, to work with UC Berkeley on assistive solutions for uh, family caregivers of people with dementia and Alzheimer's, and specifically looking at a, a living scenario where the, the family caregiver is living with the person with dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, we wanted to create solutions that would decrease anxiety, uh, decrease depression, and increase well-being. Um, you know, when we started uh, uh, designing solutions for seniors and their caregivers many years ago, those were the several areas that we identified where people show real declines um, and, and some opportunities to introduce solutions that would interrupt the pathways that lead to those declines. So uh, we have been working with, uh, with the UC Berkeley Psychophysiology Lab led by Professor Robert Levinson uh, for a few years now on uh, developing and testing these solutions in real homes. And uh, uh, just recently uh, published some initial results here where we are showing that we are able to uh, significantly decrease the anxiety of uh, the caregivers of people with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. And uh, these were the active group of our, uh, of our user base there, our participants, um, as opposed to the control group um, which had a, uh, only a subset of the solution. So the active group had the full-blown um, people power solution with all of the alerts available, um, all of the feedback available. And uh, it was the people who were really most engaged with the system um, that ended up with the most significant declines in anxiety. And I, my bet is that was a bit twofold. I mean, I think on the one hand, having something that goes into place that alleviates the pressure that, you know, I don't have to sleep with one eye open. I, I have more contact with what's going on. And again, whether it's in a residential setting, I'm no doubt if I'm caring for a loved one at home and I am the staff member, I'm the one looking after them all the time. That's a ridiculous amount of pressure 
that does fall onto people's shoulders all every single day. Um, but the same thing, I think in a, in a staff setting inside of a community, there's again, that pressure of you have to do all these different things. It sounds like more involvement with the app added a bit of that gaming feel to it. I'm, I'm interacting with something. There's something that's kind of keeping my score that, that is showing and, and giving me that feedback of I am doing well. You know, I've done language applications on my uh, smartphone to try to learn Spanish and different things. And as I'm doing those, getting, getting little things, just know I've got to another level. I'm probably, you know, still a long ways away from even being able to order at a restaurant, but just seeing a little bit of improvement kept me and kept me motivated, kept me doing things you know, and staying, staying committed to it. I think that's, that's a huge part of it and something that we have to do there because we, we have to do something about that aspect of it. Because like coming full circle here, it is about creating the complete environment. It, it's about providing a solution, um, which is so easy to talk about at a high level, but that does everything that's meeting all of these different factors and needs. And that's the complicated portion of it. You know, we could come in and even if I said, you know, there's going to be a robot that just follows the person around and catches them if they fall, there's still going to be pushback on that. You know, there, there's going to be things that that didn't address in its solution. Um, you know, they might, from the user side, they're probably not going to like that piece of it. And there's a lot of other things also that come along with the creepy factor of this robot following you around. But the, the point is we're not, a, we wouldn't be addressing the full, full need. Um, and I think that's something that we all talk about at such a high level but actual execution is very complicated. You know, it's, it's difficult to bring in all those different pieces. Like you said, curating all the different devices alone, but also balancing the, how many devices can I put into a house? I know you're, you've got a million things that work with your platform. So I was joking earlier with you before this uh, started that, you know, if the over under was four and a half, how many devices do you have set up at any point in the day inside of uh, your house or inside of your room? It's probably, probably above that. I have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so right. um, without a doubt, but that's probably not, that's not the average person, right? You can't go and you can't say, okay, we're going to put a sensor on every door, every window, on every stove, every appliance, you know, we're going to put a VR sensor in, in every single room, every square inch of every single, you know, nook and cranny. There's got to be a limit, but there's got to be a balance to it. And, and we have to put it in a way that, okay, with our balance, what can we provide? What can't we, can we create an environment though, that does give alleviates everybody's stress. We have something that's coming in that has that teamwork attitude of, no, look, it's not, mom, look, I'm using it. Mom, I'm using them too. I'll put some in my house, put some in yours. Now we have kind of that bond in the teamwork side. We have things that reducing stress on the caregiver, but also not adding anything to the user, you know, the, for the senior themselves and, and finding that, that new world that we're putting together. Cause I think that's something that shouldn't be overlooked. I mean, some of the, if I read the study, that you guys did with with UC Berkeley, the, the stress that was placed on these people was not a matter of, oh no, it's hard. I mean, it was detrimental. I mean, it was it was huge. Yeah, so you know, caregivers are stressed out, uh, plain and simple. Um, professional caregivers have many patients to deal with. Um, they they don't have a lot of time, and if we can increase the the effectiveness of their time, and decrease their stress levels. Well, there are, there are wonderful studies uh, that really demonstrate the quality of care provided by these caregivers can be much higher and the caregivers and their patients can be more resilient to declines like physical sickness and, and burnout. Uh, so to interrupt those pathways that are leading to things like anxiety, we have to provide solutions that give caregivers and their seniors a sense that there is someone else helping look after the patient. 
um, this a solution uh, that would be comprehensive would protect against falls, would identify wandering, water leaks, stove risks. It would understand the, the daily um, living patterns and more. And we've made tremendous progress in this area. Um, we have built a solution that scales and it's, it's future-proof and it's a combination of uh, having an open platform where you know, anybody can connect up their own devices and create their own services. Uh, but it's, it's all about having this artificial intelligence on the back end. And you mentioned, uh, you know, today it's uh, without a ton of money, it's a little bit infeasible to just instrument every single little thing. But this is where uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence comes in and fills in the gaps of the data. Uh, we can tell. Um, so, for example, uh, I, one of the fundamental things that uh, you should do with smart homes is know if people are home or away. Uh, typically, if you just look at raw data, it's tough to uh, tough to make that assumption that someone is actually away, especially when they don't have their phone hooked up with geofencing and uh, geolocations and all that. But um, uh, so imagine a situation where you have two people asleep in bed and one person gets up out of bed and goes to work. The other person remains asleep in bed. So if if you're just looking at the data from the home, which might consist of motion sensors and, um, you know, like a VIAR home uh, entry sensor, maybe there's smart plugs, maybe there's even something monitoring electricity and water. There is no, uh, no data there, unless you've got the VIAR home in the bedroom, uh, to suggest that someone is actually still asleep in bed. So how do, you, how do you work past the gaps in the data? And that's where machine learning comes in um, to help smooth out uh, and fill in these gaps based on the history of this home. We know that at this time of day and this day of the week, and we've seen these things happen in the home, there's probably still somebody here. And you can come up with that kind of example um, throughout the whole living space. There's lots of blind spots that occur, uh, but it's, it's through having access to some of that data that's available to us and um, putting it through a menu of machine learning services that we can begin to really understand the patterns that are occurring in this home and really make it feel like someone is helping watch over, uh, watch over that senior. That's definitely a missing piece. I think that's, I, mean, I keep saying hard to accomplish, but this is, it, it's kind of like, you know, that the levels just, just keep getting more difficult. Um, and, and that's, that's one that you have to work up to as well is, is the, like put these in your home, there's a starting point and then there's an event, an improvement point too. Cause they're, machine learning is learning. You have to give it time and, and you have to create things too that, that work on a unique, unique basis. You know, uh, senior A is not the same as senior B. Caregiver A is not the same as caregiver B, just like my own two children are, are going to be completely different. You know, they, they, they're both in the same house, both group same way, but very different. Um, my brother and I, same, same way, very different people. But, you know, so you've got to create something. I think it starts with that again, general mindset. Here's what we're working with. We're working off the hierarchy of needs and, and the base of how we're going to do things. We're putting things together and curating products that are going to work and, and, and flow together and create this environment that works on a very general basis. And then it does have to get more specific. I think building something though, that can learn and become, you know, solves, solves it from here. And then when you have it, it starts to fit you. Right. You know, we, it's almost like buying the, the big coat that, you know, adjust itself to your size. Exactly. And that, that's kind of how we operate here. It's almost like every home has its own AI personality to it. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, as you get running with a system and it's learning the patterns, it, it's got access to, to whatever data it can get out of your home and, and your family um, or the professional caregivers around us. And it begins to adapt itself and get really more aggressive uh, on what it understands as is abnormal versus normal. And then when things are abnormal, we have mechanisms to communicate with people. We can talk to the people in the home, outside of the home. We can bring in um, professional caregivers, chronic care agencies, uh, the doctors and clinicians who can look at this. We can um, also, in the event of some serious problems, bring in the emergency call center who could even be authorized to dispatch uh, emergency services. So it's about augmenting what people can do with, uh, with an artificial intelligence that, that's really, it's sort of like adding a staff member here. It's, uh, it's a 24-7 caregiver that never sleeps. And it's always watching out for things. And, and uh, when, you, when you have that kind of a, a, a solution here, suddenly you see caregivers can take a mental break. It's, you, it's really impossible for a person to be on guard 24 seven, it's mentally <clears throat> draining. So to let them focus on other things for a while and know that everything is okay um, is really reducing anxiety. Another result uh, that UC Berkeley found recently is that, and it's kind of counterintuitive, anxiety more than depression leads to suicidal ideation in caregivers. So it's really critical that we reduce uh, the anxiety that people have and uh, provide them with solutions that, that really make it feel like someone's there helping them 24 seven. Absolutely. And I, I think that's the, that's the overall goal. And that's what we're working towards. We're putting these different pieces and parts together. I, I think we do have a, a brighter future ahead. I think we are moving the industry forward in different ways. And I, and I hope those that are listening is that they're creating solutions of their own or they're evaluating solutions for their, maybe it might be their own staff, might be for their family, um, might be for, for their own platforms they're trying to build out. But the goal is to move us all forward um, to this level where we are reducing that stress, reducing that anxiety. Um, and I think that improves the lives all the way, I'm not gonna say up the chain, throughout the chain, you know, throughout the, the family circle that, that you have is, is, you know, we're pushing in there and saying, look, Here's how this will better everybody's lives involved because you do touch so many. So um, I think it's about our time. So I want to appreciate or thank you, David, for joining me on this call. It's been fantastic talking to you as always. Uh, for everybody that's listening, please uh, continue to uh, subscribe and, and, and listen to our podcast going forward. Thanks again. Thank, thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Power of Care podcast. Remember to follow the channel to stay updated on future episodes. And if you want to connect with me directly, feel free to email me at mark.mcgran at viar.com.